Thanks, men. What's that? You notice what you want to do on your staff team, if you're ever in a position of leadership, you want to sow competition among those teams to see which team is going to show up this Sunday. Put that slide back up. Would you? I want to see which team is going to be winning. I don't know. Who is it? Is it a production team? So we do this in our staff meeting on Monday. And we make, we rank them, we give out medals. It's really important. You want to be on our staff team. You want to be on one of these teams. Uh, this is an important part of our church. We believe that no Christian is maturing into the person that God has for them to be unless they're serving somebody. That's a major way that you are gonna grow into maturity in the Christian faith is through service. So here's one of these opportunities. Uh, if you, let me add one more that kind of undergirds all of these serve opportunities on a Sunday morning, and that's our prayer team. Uh, our prayer team has been faithful in praying for you and praying for me and praying for my family and praying for our staff members and praying for the ministries of our church and praying for, well, I could list a hundred things that they're praying for right now. If you feel particularly called to prayer, that you are somebody who gives uh, thought and attention to that in your Christian life, you might be the perfect person to be a part of joining with our prayer team that prays for not just all of you, but all of these serve teams, all the people that are gonna be affected by the ministry of Citadel Square, that they are called and gifted uh, to do those things and to lay those requests before the Lord. So that's a key part of everything we do as a church. We have that monthly prayer gathering. Well, weekly, we have our prayer team members who are praying for you and praying for the, the uh, membership of our church and the service opportunities and the ministries that are gonna go forth from this place. So we acknowledge that unless we're abiding in Christ, unless we're connected to the vine, both personally and corporately, we aren't gonna produce the fruit that God wants to do in us and through us, amen? All right, amen? Amen, amen. that's what we believe the spiritual life is about, is being connected to the person and work of Jesus Christ, because Jesus himself said, apart from me, you can do nothing, all right? That's all, let's see who's gonna win here in the coming weeks on those serve teams, it's gonna be awesome. Uh, get plugged in, get rolling on one of those serve teams, and we're going to see what God's going to do through our faithfulness and our, uh, for lack of a better term, our fishes and loaves, right? We believe that God can do more with very simple steps of obedience uh, than we can. All right? Let me introduce somebody to you. Tyler Daniel is, uh, if you guys remember, at the end of last year, we sent out two families who were in the life of our church and have been key families in the life of our church for several years. Uh, the Tucks and the Fernandezes, they stepped out to be a part of the replant that was happening up at Remount Baptist up in the north area. Well, Tyler Daniel is here with us. He's one of the pastors on that team. And I'm not going to list the responsibilities that he has on the team because Tyler and I were talking beforehand. And I said, I'm not going to list them because you and I both know that in the, in the context of a replant or a planting situation, you do a lot of things that aren't on your job description. It's true. Amen. So, uh, Tyler and Jessica are here this morning. They have three kids. He's gonna be sharing the word for us. We're greatly thankful for him to bring him in and to talk about kind of what God's doing at Remount, what God wants to say to us through Philippians chapter one. So I'm gonna pray for him, and then I'm gonna ask you guys to welcome him as he preaches here for us, all right? Let's pray. Father in heaven, for Tyler and the few minutes that we are gonna share here together, I pray that you would give light to his eyes, that you would give him the words that you would have to say to us, that we would be built up, edified, exhorted, by the truth of God here from Philippians chapter one. So give him clarity, give him peace, give him power as he stands here and delivers to your word. May we be a people who are humble in receiving the word of God to us this morning and that you would produce great fruit in us as a result of meditating on the truths that you have for us here in this text. Bless him and bless our time together in Jesus' name, 
Amen. 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 All right, so a couple things really quick. Uh, AJ, you said that uh, on the drive into church, a lot of things wrong can happen sometimes. Uh, we had something right happen in our family uh, this morning on the ride to church. It, was actually, it actually happened in the garage. Um, we drive a, a Toyota Sienna, affectionately known as Sally. Um, and Sally has had a rather particular smell uh, for the last couple of days. And so I just, I got out to the garage before everybody else and started looking through the car. And uh, I pulled up the center seat in the middle section and I found it. And so that went right for us this morning. That went right. We got that out of the car. We had a nice, pleasant drive over. There was no traffic. It went wonderful. Um, and then another thing, uh, when, when you're challenged with service, I want to tell you my story. So I stand up here in front of you, and uh, I was a banker. Uh, so I, uh, I was a small town in South Georgia, graduated from Georgia Southwestern State University, home of the Hurricanes, uh, where I played college baseball. When I graduated, I went in and I said, what can I do? Uh, what's the easiest degree that we have? And, and where can I uh, go study and still go to baseball practice? And so I chose business management. And I went to my hometown as a banker and I went to a church where they challenged us to serve. Now, why do I tell you that little part of my story? Uh, I, I tell you that because in serving, God did something in my heart, and he gave me a deeper desire to serve him in a more sacrificial way. Uh, what that did, that led to uh, me and my wife praying and asking, God, what do you have for us? What do you want us to do? Where do we go? And so we, we, we laid that on the table and the Lord sent us to the beautiful town of Wake Forest, North Carolina, uh, where we attended Southeastern Seminary. I uh, graduated there in May uh, with an uh, MDiv in Christian Ministries. And then we said the same thing. We said, Lord, what's next? Well, uh, in November of 2019, I, I was actually in this building. Um, I, was, I was here uh, with the state of South Carolina to do a church replanter assessment. Uh, so over the period of two days, I got asked more questions than I think should be allowed for someone to be asked. Uh, I mean, it was, it was everything. It was, hey, what do you think about this? What would you do here? How would you do this? What is this? How, define this. Give me this example. I mean, it was just over and over and over and over and over. But God continued to do something. And so now I stand here. I'm a, I'm a resident of South Carolina. I live in Hanahan, South Carolina. We're nine months in to seeing the Lord do a miraculous work at Remount Baptist Church. Uh, we, we've seen a church replanted. We've seen a congregation that loved Jesus begin to love the community. It's just been such a blessing to be here. And so I, I'm, I'm standing here today. Um, Paul says in Corinthians, he says, I came to you with much fear and trembling. I stand here today with much fear and trembling because we are preaching the word of God. We're continuing in worship. We continue before the throne of God and, and we, we go before him and we say, Lord, we exalt and lift your word up so much that we're gonna gather today to study it. And that's what we're gonna do in the next, moment, next few moments together. And I'll go ahead and lay it out there. I'll, I'll tell you my outline. Uh, I, don't, I don't wanna hide anything from you. I want us to find joy in the gospel this morning. I don't know, if, I don't know it may, maybe you're not like me. Uh, maybe, maybe you're coming off of one of the best weeks in your life. But I'll be honest, I'm, I'm coming off of a week where there's, there's a lot of doubt. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of fear going on in life. There's a lot of uncertainty in what the Lord's doing, what he will do. And, and, and I just needed to be reminded, hey, there's joy in the gospel and all that God has done. So that's our, that's our overarching idea that I want us to take. There's, there's joy in the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's joy in gospel gifts, there's joy in gospel partnership, and there's joy in gospel living. Joy in gospel gifts, joy in gospel partnership, and joy in gospel living. And so I want to pray for us, and then I want us to get the context of Philippians, and then let's walk through this passage together this morning. Let's pray. 
Father, in the moments that we have, by the power of your spirit, would you change our hearts? Would you draw us closer to you and encourage us to live strategically on mission for your namesake? We love you. Amen. So it's, it's Palm Sunday. Now, this, is, this is the time when we look in the history of the church and, and Jesus, Jesus came into the city. He came in, the King of Kings, and, and people were rejoicing to see him come. There was excitement in the crowds. This is the time. The king comes. The kingdom, the kingdom will now grow. This is, this is the moment that they had been looking forward to. And if you've read your Bibles, if, if you've been in church, you, you, you know the story. We, we transition into Holy Week where, where Jesus goes and his, his authority is tested over and over and over. They say, hey, by what authority do you do these things? Teacher, how would you answer these questions? And as he answers, he presses in on the presuppositions of the people. And we just see the people begin to plot. We see them begin to say, what, what could we do? What could we do to take this man away from these people? What could we do to, to move him from the spotlight? Well, Jesus would, would go to the cross. He would go to the cross for, for you. He would go to the cross for me. He would bear its scorn and its shame, endure that on our behalf. He would then go to the grave. He would, be, he would raise from the grave, and then he would show himself to his disciples. And he would tell them, I want you to go. I want you to go to all nations. I want you to make disciples. I want you to teach them to obey all that I have taught you. I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts, he tells them, hey, the Spirit's going to come and you're going to be my witness to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then we know what happens. Peter stands at Pentecost and he proclaims this marvelous King, this Christ, Jesus, the Son of God. And thousands are born into the family of God. And then there's this man, it's this man Stephen, who proclaims the truth to a crowd. And as he's proclaiming this truth to the, cloud, the crowd, their, 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 their rage begins to boil as they realize that he's speaking against all that they have held true. He's proclaiming the truth that confronts them with the lie that they have believed. The crowd picks up stones and they begin to throw them at this Stephen. They take their cloaks and they lay them at the feet of a man. A man that we will read in, in Philippians who describes himself as a Hebrew of Hebrews, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Pharisee of Pharisees, as to the law, blameless, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church. I'll peel the, the layers back. If you don't know who this man is, this man is Paul. This man is the greatest missionary of the New Testament. This man went throughout all of the world at his time proclaiming the truth of Jesus, who he is, what he has done. Now this man who would go into homes and rip families apart, take believers and toss them into jail for what he thought was the fame and the name of the one true God. As Jesus revealed to him the truth of who he was on that road to Damascus, something changed in Paul. Paul is then adopted into this family and, and, and his desires are changed. He's now no longer a persecutor of the church. He's this great missionary and he, he goes everywhere. We see the church in Philippi birthed in Acts. Whenever he goes into this city and, and he, the Lord says uh, that, that God sends Paul to Lydia and he opened her heart to believe all that Paul said. Then he goes to the slave girl, and by the power of the Spirit, she's redeemed and adopted into the family of God. And then something happens. People go, nah, that's enough. 
That's it. Now, you, you can't keep doing this. You're, you're disrupting our city too much. All right, you, 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 gotta, you gotta change some things, Paul. Paul keeps proclaiming the truth. They lock him up, they put him in jail, and then the Philippian jailer comes to faith. So Paul spends a year and a half, two years, in this great city of Philippi where he's prof- uh, professing the truth of who Jesus is. He's proclaiming all that Jesus has done. The Lord works miraculously in these people. Now, we pull it back even farther. Paul is locked up in a Roman prison. He's in jail. He's in chains. And he writes a letter expressing so much joy that we have in Christ. How does he do that? How does he do that? In the midst of terrible circumstances, how does he see the joy that we have in Christ? How does he see the joy that is there for those who believe the truth of the gospel? How? How is that true? So I want us us to look first at at our joy in gospel gifts. We're going to read the first two verses together this morning. Uh, Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. This is the word of the Lord. Paul and Timothy, servants of of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul has found joy in gospel gifts. He's found joy in the things that are given to us as we come to believe the gospel. Joy in gospel gifts. What's one of those things? I believe it's our changed identity. I told you earlier that that I was a banker. I remember a time in my hometown where uh, I walked into Chick-fil-A. I love God's chicken, all right? So, so Chick-fil-A is, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say this. Whenever the app came out with that fourth tier of, uh, of rewards in Chick-fil-A, I got a notice as soon as it was, re- was released. Congratulations, you're in a select few of our, our greatest rewards members here at Chick-fil-A. Anyway, so I walk into Chick-fil-A and uh, I've got my, 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 my banking outfit on, right? I got my, my jacket and my, my coat and my tie and I, I'm dressed nice, got good shoes on. I mean, it's, it's a good day. It's a good day for me. And I walk in and, and I order and uh, the, the, the woman behind the counter, she says, what do you do for a living? Now, I'm from small town South Georgia, okay? We weren't all just walking around with, uh, with a jacket and a tie on and a button-up shirt, okay? So we, we had uh, farm boots on and, and T-shirts and blue jeans. That was kind of common attire. So I walk into Chick-fil-A and I, I bow my chest out and I'm, I'm a banker. I'm a banker. So that was my identity. You see, we all have an identity of something. At one point in time, I was a college athlete. I was a college student. For you, it's, it's probably, it may be mom, it may be dad, it may be grandmother, it may be grandfather, it may be doctor, lawyer, physician, bus driver, school teacher, baker, candlestick maker, whatever it may be. We all have an identity that is something, right? It, it could be student, it could be child. Whatever that is, we have an identity. We have something that we think to be true of ourselves, and the, what, what we think to be true of ourselves, it, it shapes the way that we act in the world around us, right? Like, like if, you, if you call yourself something, if you believe you are something, you will interact with others in a particular way. Now, sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's a good thing. If you go, man, I'm a child of God, like that should bring you to a level of humility and service to others that is just, it's a beautiful thing for the world to see on display, Sometimes what we think to be true about ourselves, though, it can be damaging to the world around us. How does Paul describe himself? 
It's interesting here. He says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. See, Paul's identity has been changed in a way that he realizes that thing that is most true, that thing that is most worthwhile, that thing that is most worth living for is that he would serve the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You know how I know that to be true. If you continue to read in Philippians, you will read him say, I have laid it all on the table. I have set my resume down. I have reviewed it for accuracy, found it to be true. And I say this, it is meaningless in view of knowing Jesus Christ, our Lord. So I want to I I press in here on each and every one of you. Who are you? Who are you? Do you understand that God tells you you were created in his image? Do you understand that God tells you that you are precious? Do you understand that God tells you he loved you so much that he sent his son to the cross on your behalf? Now, if that's you, if you've placed faith in Christ, if you believe the gospel, if your heart sings and rejoices in the Savior, you're a missionary. You're an ambassador for Christ. What should be true of you is that you could say with Paul, hey, I'm I'm a servant of Christ. I see my occupation. I see my location. I see all of the things that God has done in my life as strategic. That he has put me here to serve him, to bring glory to him, to be on mission for him. One gospel gift is a changed identity. And I can tell you it is a beautiful thing to live as the person that God has created you to be. To live dependent on the Spirit. To abide in Him that you may bear much fruit to the glory of God. Paul says, hey, I'm a a servant of Christ. And I just want to really quick pause here. What has that gotten him? What has it gotten him? Where's he writing from? He's writing from jail. We'll read elsewhere. He says, hey, I just want to be real with you guys, all right? This is what's happened to me. I've been beaten 40 lashes less one five times. I've been shipwrecked. I've been stranded in the desert. I've been left outside with nothing to eat. Things have been difficult for him. But yet he still says, in view of all those things, I'm a servant of Christ. I see the beauty of him. I know it in such a way that in the midst of turmoil and chaos, I'm his. I'm his. That is a beautiful change of identity. And it's hard to live in that. That's the reality. Sometimes it's tough. There's a beautiful gospel gift, though, that is a changed identity, an adoption into God's family. Servants of Christ. Next, in verse 2, he says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That other gospel gift is grace and peace. That comes from God and from Jesus. What is grace? What is grace? Oh, grace is that unmerited favor. Grace is that yet while we were still enemies, God sent his son to die for us. Grace is that though we deserve punishment and death, it was laid on the back of another and the other, the other fruit that that produces in us is peace with God. 
Peace with God which surpasses all understanding. Peace with God that allows us to rest in the cross, in the finished work of Jesus, in all that he did on our behalf, and to rejoice, to be assured of our salvation, to be at peace that we work out what God has already worked in, to be at peace that our status with Jesus and before God cannot change. There is grace and peace in the cross, a beautiful gift of the gospel that we have as his children. And so first, what is that joy in the gospel? Well, it's joy in gospel gifts. That namely is a changed identity. And then the grace and peace that we receive in the cross of Jesus Christ. So next, let's look at verses three through eight. Paul writes, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It's right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you're all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. The next, uh, the next reason for us to find joy in the gospel is joy in gospel partnerships. I want us to look at two partnerships. Partnership with others and partnership with the spirit that is working in us. So partnership with others, hey, I'm standing up here as part of that, okay? (laughs) I'm standing up here as part of the beauty of partnership with others. Because of, because of your faithfulness, okay? Because, because you hold the cross and the gospel so dear. Because you have trained up and sent out leaders. We have partnered in the gospel together. I stand as as a representative from Centerpoint Church telling you there is great beauty in knowing that there are other churches that are praying for us. There is great beauty in walking into this building today seeing faces that I do not know. I, I, I do not know you. You do not know me. But we love Christ. We're on mission together with him. Imagine how lonely it would be to be the only one. Imagine how lonely it would be to be all alone. Now, I want to I I press here for just a second. That is true for some of our brothers and sisters in the faith. That's true. There are some who are the only believers in their region, the only believers in their country, who cannot gather the way that we gather. Now, they find joy in knowing that the gospel has gone forth throughout the world. We should find joy this morning that we have gathered in relative comfort in one of the most beautiful buildings I have ever been in. There's joy in gospel partnership that we are not doing this alone, that I have other brothers and sisters who are praying for me, that you have other brothers and sisters who are praying for you, that we have the opportunity to train, to serve, to send, to equip so that the name of Jesus would go forth. I've got, a, I've got a friend uh, back in our hometown, and, and I love when he gives me a call. Um, he is a, he's a county sheriff, um, and he's actually, uh, he's become a school resource officer, and he loves Jesus. 
Man, he loves Jesus. He loves Jesus. He is strategic in every single thing that he does. He is a school resource officer because he loves Jesus and wants to be around people who need to hear the gospel. So he's in a local county school where students come up to him and say, hey man, uh, I I know you uh, serve in student ministry. What do you think about this? Or a student gets in a fight and he gets to go and and he gets to say, hey, let me talk to him first. So, So he's strategic in all that he does. When he calls and when he tells me, hey man, we've been praying for you and man, I just wanna tell you uh, what the Lord's been doing here at, at our church. There's so much joy that comes from that in knowing that we are partnering together as God's people to see the gospel go forth. Doesn't Paul say that? He says, I thank God in all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine, making my prayer with joy, verse five, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul went out and they sent workers, they sent funds, they sent the things that he needed in order for him to continue the work. We read in in chapter three, they sent out Epaphroditus who goes to serve the needs of Paul and almost dies in service of him. It brings great joy to the one who receives the gift, but there should also be great joy in the fact that we can give and that we can serve and that we can partner together. But even further, man, there is so much joy in knowing that it is the Spirit working in us to equip us for every good work, that it is God who began the work that will see it through to completion. It is great joy in knowing that Jesus says, hey, look, guys, he he goes to the disciples. He says, listen, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave. And it's actually actually, actually good for you that I'm going to leave because this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to send an advocate. I'm going to send the Spirit, and he's going to come, and he's going to be with you. And he's going to be in you, and he's going to equip you for the work that I've called you to. He's going to bring things to remembrance. You're going to see him do things in the lives of people that you're just not going to understand. I love how he talks to, Jesus talks to Nicodemus and he says, Nicodemus says, what do we do? What is this born again thing? And, and, what's, and Jesus says, hey, unless a man be born by the Spirit. And then this is what the Spirit looks like. It, it blows, he, he goes wherever it wills. And we don't see him, but we, we see the fruit of him working. And it's that Spirit who, if you've been adopted into God's family, he is working in you right now. He is. He is working in you to conform you into the image of Jesus. He is shaping and molding you into the person that God has called you to be. Now, it's really hard to live the Christian life absent of the power of the Spirit. I just, I've done it. I've tried it, okay? Tried it hard. Can't do it. Mess up a lot. But in those moments where God humbles us, with so much grace, draws us back to the fact that we are dependent on his spirit to equip us for every good work. And we can find confidence that he who began the work will complete it. Oh, that's a beautiful, beautiful gift. That's a beautiful reason to rejoice in gospel partnership, in the fact that we partner with others, but also in the fact that God loves us so much that he sends his spirit to work in and through us as we are ambassadors for the King of Kings. So we've got joy in gospel gifts that changed identity, the grace and peace that God gives. We've got joy in gospel partnerships with others and with the spirit working in. Lastly, 
Let's look at verses 9 through 11. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. There should be joy in gospel living. There should be joy in gospel living. Even in the hard things. Let me tell you a story. Um, when I was in college, I was, uh, I was a college baseball player, and uh, I got diagnosed with Crohn's disease. And no one knew what was going on. <laughs> the, the, the doctor told me I had a pulled muscle. And um, I'm, I'm in the hospital. I'm losing weight. I was 210, 215 pounds. Um, and then all of a sudden, about four months later, I'm 165 pounds. And it's just, I, I can't get better. I can't eat anything. I'm in immense pain. It's just, it's, it's an incredibly agonizing time. Now, here's the other thing that's going on behind the scenes. As a 10-year-old little boy, I, uh, I professed faith in Christ in the back of Dudley Baptist Church. Now, from 10 years old until that moment in time, life had had a lot of changes. Um, there, were, there were a lot of things that went on. I, I go through middle school, go through high school. I, I found my idol in sports, in football, in baseball, and doing all these other things. And, and then I go to college, and I'll just be real with you guys. I, my Bible, I would not, if somebody had said, hey, go find it, I, I wouldn't have been able to. I had not lived much uh, for the sake of Jesus at all. A spiritual infant, although I say that I had been in the family for 12 years at that point, that gospel living was just something that I was not doing. Now, in the midst of that hardship, in the midst of multiple surgeries and standing on whatever floor I was in, on in uh, Fairview Park Hospital in Dublin, Georgia, and looking out the window, God did something. He, he, he reminded me that there is a time when he adopted me into his family. And there was just this peace that came over me that, that just kind of reminded me, oh man, this is, I'm going to be okay. I'm his. I'm going to be okay. And I wish that I could tell you from that moment right there forward that I began to actually live out what God had done in me. I can't. I can't tell you that. But something started. He began to shape and conform me. He began to remind me of things that I had heard. And then eventually, God gave me a wonderful wife that challenged me to actually read the Bible. To actually be in the Word. To actually live out what I professed. To not be the caricature. To not be the person that just lies to the world and to themselves. And then, as I got in the Word, God did something. I love that it says this, to grow in love. I began to grow in a love for the things of God and in a love for the things of, for, for other people. I began to slowly see other people as people created in the image of God. It says, it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more. As I was in the word, God began to change me. I began to love serving in the local church. I began to love students. I began to love my wife better. God just began to change me. There was so much joy in gospel living. As, as, and as I tried to live for him, love increased. And it was, just, it was a beautiful thing that the Lord did. But next he did something else. 
with knowledge and discernment. You see, in gospel living, in the joy that we have in living for the gospel, there's also a growth in knowledge that we must have. There is a lot to know about God. I read a book, A.W. Tozer. He says in this book, in the introduction, I felt like I was just repeatedly getting kicked in the teeth as I'm reading through paragraph after paragraph. And he says, hey, that thing that comes to mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. If you think wrongly about God and who he is, oh, you're starting off on a shaky platform. You're starting off on a shaky foundation. Paul says, hey, my prayer is that you would grow in knowledge. Joy in gospel living also is joy in knowing more and more and more about God. I can profess and stand with full confidence and tell you, as I have grown to know him more, as I have grown to love God and the things of him, oh man, the more I know, the more I rejoice. The more I know to be true of him, the more I rejoice in what it is to be a child of God. Next, he says, so that you may approve what is excellent and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Knowledge has to be put to action. Knowledge has to be put to action. To know what to do and not do it. What a hypocrisy. Knowledge must be put to action. And then finally, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Um, praise team, if you guys would, would go ahead and come up. We're going we're gonna to land the plane right here. So we've got joy in the gospel. Joy in gospel gifts. Joy in gospel partnership. Joy in gospel living. To live surrendered for the cross. To live in a way that opens your hands and says, Lord, you've put me here for a purpose. God, you've given me a desire. You've given me this occupation. You've given me this family. You've given me this address for a purpose. Allows us to do this. Paul's prayer is that they would live to the glory and praise of God. It is worthwhile to live surrendered for the King of Kings. It is worthwhile to lay your life down so that others may see and know Jesus for who he is. So lastly, let's review one more time. There's joy in the gospel, joy in gospel gifts, joy in gospel partnership, and joy in gospel living. Do you believe the gospel? Has God changed your identity? If he has, rejoice. If he has not, please come. Come and rejoice. Come receive the King of kings and Lord of lords. Be adopted into God's family. Be changed and be on mission for him. Let me pray for us this morning. Oh, our God and our King, I pray, Lord, that the preaching of your word was pleasing in your sight. I pray, God, now that as we rejoice and respond in worship, God, that you would help us to see the beauty that it is to be called your child, that we would find joy in the gospel. It's in your wonderful name we pray. Amen.